who got a lot of D, who popping like a P when he be hopping out the V, and who gon' tell him that my bitch is getting her degree, and what we say is how come summer we ain't talking about degrees, who who will follow me, like who don't follow me, cause even in your new bitch I can see a lot of me, and honestly I'm on it cause that shit be comedy, you ain't put me in no brands but I see you proud of me, I'm just a real lab bitch, give a fuck about a trick, I'm some real ass shit, and we really with that shit, put this pussy on your lip, give a fuck about the dick, I get that and then I, I grab my shit and then I dip, all right, all right, all right. Welcome back to It's Just a Talk. My name is Mauricio. I'm your host. And this is Just a Talk, the show where we talk a little tea, we talk a little truth, but you know I always leave time to talk some shit. That was a brand new song, Hot Girl Summer with Megan Thee Stallion and Nicki Minaj. That shit literally dropped today. I got a text from my friend Vicente into the, our group text, and he was like, girls, this is not a test. It's out. So I was like, bitch, it's the perfect time. We're gonna open up the episode. We're gonna let everybody know that it's a hot girl summer. You know, I might not be a girl, but bitch, it's still a hot girl summer, okay? This is episode 023, y'all. We're almost at the 25th mark, which makes me really excited. We're almost at our one-year mark. Uh, two episodes before our one-year mark when I started this crazy idea of a podcast. Uh, but yeah, this episode, episode 023, is being brought to you by Leftovers. Yes, bitch, I said leftovers. And the reason why I said that is because recently I was working camp for my job. We had about 40, 50 girls for three weeks. And my favorite part about camp was when the girls wouldn't eat the food. So you best believe I took that shit home. There was even one of the days that I knew we were going to have taco bar or whatever white people call taco bar. And my ass brought fucking Tupperware. Yes, I brought Tupperware to work because I knew I needed to take whatever leftovers was there and be able to feed myself for the week. You know, she's living on a budget after coming off of unemployment. It was not cute. And Thon says, you know, these leftovers are the world. And also, I've learned that as an adult, I don't have to finish everything on my plate when I go out. Like, I can leave some and then enjoy it the next day during lunch. Like, yes! Thank you! So, leftovers, thank you so much. Uh, once again, this is Just a Talk, your Spanglish political queer and shady podcast. And if you're ready, I'm ready. So, let's get this party started, shall we? brand new song boyfriend by the black fisher herself ariana grande i i have to say that like even though like i don't like her because she tries to be a person of color um there was a cover of her somebody did like a comparison of covers where like for covers that were geared towards like white america she was like her white self but for covers that were geared towards like the youth or like towards people of color she was like rather dark and it wasn't because like the magazine people like darken her up it's because she got into that you know, fucking sun tanning booth and made some changes up in here. Uh, all right, welcome back to It's Just a Talk. Once again, I'm Mauricio, and this is a segment I like to call How Was Your Week? Where you get to discover how was my week, what was going on. We get into some post-kiki, getting into a couple other things that happened in, since the last episode uh, in the world, like... Not necessarily like political world, pero que está pasando? Tú dime a mí, yo te digo a ti. Entonces, first of all, how was my week? Ah, uh, man, I just, like I said, I finished camp. And so that was like my number one focus at work. And now I'm finally back in the office and I really 
enjoy this summer hours. We're doing this 10-4, and I think I mentioned it, where we work 10 hours, four days a week, and then we get a three-day weekend. So I had Monday off, because I was like, bitch, camp just ended on Friday. I need a day off. So she didn't go to work on Monday. Entonces, mañana is really my Friday. But next week, I'm going to take Friday off, and then the week after that, I'm going to take Friday off también. But so then I'm going to work Monday through Thursday, like, 10 horas. But it's cute because, like, I'm usually the very first one in the office. I mean, I show up on time. But if I wanted to, I could show up, like, at 8.50, knowing that the first person doesn't show up to, like, 9, 10, 9, 15. And be like, oh, I've been here since the last ocho, you know. It was such a hard morning. Uh, so, yeah. So, that's been my week. Uh, so, we're going to uh, talk about Pose and what happened in the show Pose. Um, so, I'm going to say it one more time. I'm going to talk about Pose. So, this is your uh, warning. If you have not caught up for the last two episodes, which is why I, like, push my release day. Usually, I was putting out episodes on Wednesdays, but then uh, I would have to record on Tuesday, entonces I would miss that night's episode, so by the time you heard it, you were, like, two episodes ahead, entonces I was like, okay, we need to record on Wednesday or Thursday so that we can put it out on Friday, and that way people have have had time to catch the last Tuesday episode. I probably lost you, but anyways, this is your warning. I'm about to, like, spoil shit. So, on the episode prior to this one, we found out that Ricky has HIV. So, he got diagnosed with HIV, so he becomes uh, one of the many characters in the show that are have HIV. I already gave my two cents of how I feel about how long they're staying alive. Not that I want them to die. I just want this to be realistic for the straight people that watch it or people that weren't alive during the, um, the early 90s when the AIDS epidemic was really in full flesh mode. Um, and maybe I take this personally because I have family that was taken by AIDS, but I want this to be realistic. Anyway, so the episode ended, we found out that Ricky has has AIDS. Uh, there was other things that happened that are important. Um, we saw how, uh, my God, what's her name? Angel got a contract uh, for, a, a bigger contract for her modeling agency. So she's becoming bigger and bigger in the modeling world. But she's worried that they're going to find out that she is transgender because they don't know yet. Entonces, uh, her and Papi, mm, Papi, I just got to say that, that we finally... I finally got what I asked for. A couple episodes ago, I asked, like, I just want a scene where, like, he's, like, shirtless and, like, you know, maybe his tidy whities And I was like, bitch, producers, Mr. Murphy, you gonna hear me? Do, excuse me, sir. Do you listen to this podcast? Because literally, the next episode, that's what we got. And I just want to say that... um. If I was, uh, like, 18, 19, I would have, uh, you know, paused that moment and um, taken it all in. But I'm no longer 18, so I can just enjoy it while it passes and be like, yes, go, puppy. Anyway, so last week's episode, or this past episode, uh, Damon finally graduated from his dance school, we got a love scene with Praytel and fucking Ricky, which I was not at all expecting. Like, when it was happening, I, like, did not know how to feel. I was like, I do not know how I feel right now. Because I'm, like, Billy Porter and this, like, really young guy. But then I was like, okay, like, I have to, like, be conscious that, like, you know, there is some couples that are, like, years and years apart. And, you know, they this is how they have sex. Um, I will say that it was probably one of the very first time that there was a, a queer sex scene between two black men. I'm just going to put that out there. It's 2019, and we've never had that. So, good shit. Um... Then uh, there was this whole argument between 
man, I don't even know how to describe this, but you have to watch this episode. The argument between Damon and Angel, and then they got out of hand, and then Praytel got into it, and literally Damon was like, why? Because you're fucking him? And fucking Electra was like, oh, that was too much information. Literally, that is the fucking, um, what am I saying? That is, like, the feeling of my summer. Like, I am Electra for the rest of the summer. I'm just putting that out there. Um, the episode ended where Blanca needs to kick out Angel because she needs to be a good mother. Uh, Damon left for a dance tour that he that he got because somebody came to the balls and saw him voguing. And now Blanca's all alone. So, like, we'll see what's going to happen. There's only a couple more episodes before the finale. So, we'll see. Talking about shows that um are on. After we watched uh, Pose on Tuesday, I have a couple friends come over and watch it. Which, if y'all want to come watch it on Tuesdays, please let me know. My house is open. We put it on a projector. We order food. It gets lit. Uh, some of the people that come bring wine. I'm not a big wine connoisseur, so they drink the wine. I just watch. I watch them drink the wine. Uh, but after that, we watched the first episode of Euphoria. Bitch, I, I, I didn't get it. People are like, oh my God, it's so good. The people I was with was like, oh my God, this show is so good. And I was like, I, I, I don't get it. Like, they're just doing a lot of drugs and they're in high school. And they're like, oh my God. And they kept saying things like, oh my God, this make, brings me back to my high school days. Oh my God. And I was like, bitch, I didn't do drugs in high school. What high school did y'all go to? And I was like, I, I grew up in the hood, but we were like fucking doing like hard drugs. Like we were doing like Coke and Sanits and shit. Like, and like I say, there's different struggles and different ages like if you grew up in the suburbs you get that euphoria kind of upbringing you grew up in the hood you just have to like survive make sure you ain't getting shot or mugged or or stolen or you know just all the things uh anyways uh so we watched that i didn't really get it so if y'all watch euphoria please let me know like maybe i have to watch it again because i didn't really understand what the fuck was happening I was just like, okay, this this cute, I think. I think this is cute. I'm not sure how I feel. Um, a show that ended on last Tuesday, last Wednesday. Was it Wednesday? Yeah, last Wednesday. And and I didn't watch it till till Saturday night. Uh was the series finale of Jane the Virgin. Uh, for the last five years, uh, we've let Jane Villanueva into our home uh, and the Villanuevas and everybody on the show. And I didn't realize how important Jane the Virgin was in my adult life until I saw the last episode. Like, growing up, I never really truly saw a Latino family on TV, let alone on TV that was not cable TV because I didn't have cable growing up and a lot of like low-income families who are Latino don't have cable that's like a luxury and so you get the WB or I guess now it's called the CW or like FOTS or ABC NBC CBS UPN I remember remember UPN remember my girlfriends yes on UPN uh anyway so we don't get Get the luxury of being able to have cable. Entonces, I never really saw myself in any of the characters, other like novelas on Univision, Rock and 34. But like for this to be on an English network was really important. It made me realize that like a lot of kids that were the age that I was when I was watching TV and realized what I was watching. Like they're seeing themselves, and like they're they're being they see the representation that's being that's happening through this show, and I started thinking like when was the last time I felt represented, and like literally the only thing I can think about is like Pocahontas, like this why she's my prayer princess like, she was brown and I was 
Well, I am brown. <laughs> I was going to say I was brown. Nah, bitch, I still am. But, uh, like, it was really important. The finale was beautiful. If you don't watch Stranger Virgin, some of the seasons are on Netflix. And then the new season, I'm sure, will come on soon. So if you just start binge-watching, and by the time you finish the four seasons, you'll the fifth one will be on there. But, yeah, that was five years of Jane Villanueva, of... Uh, just all the characters, and now I won't be able to see them on Wednesday. Instead, I'll have to just watch Handmaid's Tale, and which somebody told me, what did they say? They said it's um, it's a they they called it a certain type of drama, like uh, something like merciful porn drama. I, f- I forget the word of it, but basically because, like, there's so much trauma happening in the show that, like, that's where we watch it. Anyways, talking about things that happen on TV, we're going to move on to the Democratic debate. The second Democratic debate happened. Uh, there was, of course, it was two because there's way too many fucking, um, what's the word, like, people running. Candidates. They, <laughs> oh, my God. I almost forgot the word candidate. It's also like late at night, so you have to apologize. I no, I have to apologize, not you. You don't have to apologize. Don't apologize. I have to apologize. Entonces, some of the highlights. Let's just go through them, shall we? So there was two nights of debate, just like last time. So some of the highlights on night one, everybody was saying that Bernie was definitely the winner for night one. And I think that was sad because everybody was literally coming for him and like his policies and everything that he says that he wants to do. At one point, one of the other candidates, I think it was the mayor, the current mayor of New York, was like, you don't know that, Bernie. You don't know that. And Bernie responded. He was like, yes, I do. I wrote the damn bill and he got mad i was like este viejito he's getting mad okay uh the other things that happen uh that are high good highlights warren said i don't understand because everybody kept saying like oh um no we can't do that no that's too far that's too far left the american people are not gonna go for that who's gonna pay for that and so warren was like i don't understand why anyone would take the time to run for president of the united states just to talk about what we can't do and what we shouldn't do and like the crowd went crazy uh finally one of the highlights i liked on night one was pete Buttigieg. Um, said something that really struck me, which is very true. He said, it's true that if we adopt the far-left agenda, they'll call us crazy socialists. But if we adopt a conservative agenda, guess what? They'll also call us crazy socialists, which is true. Like, I mean, at this point, what the Democratic Party needs to see is that they need to be more liberal and try to be less in the middle because that's how we're going to lose again. Like, the Democratic Party is going to lose again if they try to play to a party that's not their party. I mean, look at what the Republicans have done. They went completely off the rockers, far right, so far right, they broke what right used to be, and that's what made them win. So, like, we need to learn from that and be like, okay, you're going to go that far right? This is how far left we're going to go. But that's just my opinion. I'm not like a political analyst or anything. I mean, I should be, but like, I'm not. Uh, on night two was where the people of color showed up <laughs> because night one was very white. Uh, some of the highlights was everybody was coming for Biden and that's because Biden has been polling great across the nation. Um, and one of the things that Booker said was, I forgot what I think Biden tried to, like, talk to Booker about a policy that he am- he implemented in his district. Uh, it was at the, the stop and frisk policy. And when Biden finished, Booker said, there's a saying in my community, Mr. Vice President, you're dipping into the Kool-Aid and you don't even know the flavor. I died. I literally died. Like, me muero. Um, another thing that happened, I mean, Castro came for him too. Castro was like, it looks like one of us has learned the lessons of the past and one of us hasn't, which was hilarious to me because, um, it's true. Like Biden is not learning from the past. Entonces, how do you 
how are you going to move forward if you learn from the past? And one of the things he doesn't learn, and that Booker called him out, was uh, he was like, you are the one that is always invoking Obama's name. But when we talk to you, when we ask you questions about when you were vice president, you don't know how to answer. So stop. My favorite part of night two was when Tulsi Gabbard came for Kamala Harris. And oh my God. I, I can't even tell you. I just have to show you. I'm just going to show you. Okay, I'm going to play this little clip of what Tulsi Gabbard came for Kamala Harris. And bitch, she was a line. I want to bring the conversation back to the broken criminal justice system that is disproportionately negatively impacting black and brown people all across this country today. Now, Senator Harris says she's proud of her record as a prosecutor and that she'll be a prosecutor president. But I'm deeply concerned about this record. There are too many examples to cite, but she put over 1,500 people in jail for marijuana violations and then laughed about it when she was asked if she ever smoked marijuana. She blocked evidence. She blocked evidence that would have freed an innocent man from death row until the courts forced her to do so. She kept people in prison beyond their sentences to use them as cheap labor for the state of California. And she fought to keep cash bail system in place. That impacts poor people in the worst kind of way. Thank you, Congresswoman. Uh, I was like, <laughs> I was like, if people didn't know who Tosi Gabbard is, they got know today. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, the next thing that we're going to talk on the podcast is uh, the originator of how was your week? So it was announced recently that Ms. Wendy Williams was asked to be on Real Housewives of New York. So the, how you doing, lady, uh, she might be joining the cast. I don't watch Real Housewives of New York. I'm very strictly, dickly, um, Real Housewives of Atlanta. That's my gig. And it, you know, it's trash TV, but like, I love it. I like, don't change my mind. Don't try to change my mind. Don't try to change me. I love Real Housewives of Atlanta. Kenny is my bitch. And this season, she's coming back. So we here for that. Anyways, so if Wendy Williams joins Real Houses of New York, I might just watch. Are you going to be watching? Let me know. I'm going to put a poll up a couple days after this episode comes up. And I want to know if you're going to watch Real Houses of New York if Wendy Williams is on it. Um, I mean, it's a dying series. So maybe she'll Bring it back alive. Talking about death, uh, we're going to end uh, How Was Your Week segment by um, talking about author, um, speaker, activist, just everything. I mean, there's so many titles you can give Miss Toni Morrison, who died this week at 88 years old. Uh, she's most known for her work on the book Beloved, um, which I think everybody reads in in middle school or in high school. I read it in high school. So Beloved is one of her more famous um, books. The Song of Solomon is another one that's really good. It's one of my favorites. There's Sula, The Bluest Eyes, Jazz, Paradise, Tar Baby, to name a few. Um, If you have not uh, read any Toni Morrison books, there's probably the time to read it. Um, and with that, we're going to move on to our next segment, our question of the week. I'll see you there. to our next segment of our podcast, our question of the week. During our question of the week, I usually ask a question, and uh, me, and if I have a guest, we discuss it. If not, then it's just something that I want to discuss with y'all, and it's usually something that's happening in the world, or something that I've been asked recently that I'm like, hmm, 
That's a good question. Recently, I was having a conversation with somebody about politics. Uh, if you cannot tell, I kind of like politics. Not like like them, like I'm interested in them. And so their question was, is democracy dead? Do you think democracy is going to die or it's on its way from of dying and to be able to answer that question I had to really do some research and be able to answer some questions for example in ni- in 1790 there was 57,000 people per representative in the house of representatives and so that seems like a lot right but if you think about compare 1790 to 2019 now every representative in the house of representatives has 748,000 people per representative i tell you that not because i'm answering the question right away because we have to look at facts before we actually answer the question if democracy is dying or if democracy is already dead That makes us a democratic outlier compared to other democratic countries that are rather fair in their representatives or whatever they call their representatives represents a fair amount of people. The founding fathers didn't want this number of representatives to ever go over 50,000 people. Not that that matters now because we were founded a long time ago, but a lot of the times people, when they're trying to fight about, oh, we need to go back to the way America used to be, they talk about it used to be better because we were closer to what our founders wanted. But in reality, we haven't really been closer to what our founders wanted in a very long time. I mean, if you think about it, in 1790, we had 50. 7,000 people per representative, but the Founding Fathers never wanted it to go over 50. Now we're at a 748,000 people average per representative. In order for a political system to work, it needs to be fair. It needs to be reliable. And that's not the case right now. Two out of three of the last presidents, for example, lost a popular vote on their first election, but still got elected because of the current system that we have that's obviously not working. Um, these elections are fairly are usually unfairly dictated by gerrymandering or geography. And by elections, I mean whether it's elections for presidency, elections for representatives, elections for Senate, or even local elections are sometimes, you know, misguided because of gerrymandering and geography. For example, if we think about numbers and we think about growth in Vermont. And in New York City, or New York State, may I say, both have two representatives for the House of Representatives. But if we think about population-wise, Vermont has around 623,000 people compared to the 19.9 million people that New York has. At the same time, the Supreme Court, which has been has been appointed by political parties in mind, for decades the political the Supreme Court was a, people were appointed to the Supreme Court because we were they were believed to just have done the best job possible as judges in the the small courts, and then they were promoted to be Supreme Court justices. That hasn't happened in probably generations. I want to say my whole generation, even generations before me, that's not the way that Supreme Court justices are appointed. Now they're really appointed with a political party in mind. Is this politi- Is this Supreme Court justice more leaning to the right or more leaning to the, to the left? For generations, Supreme Court justices were appointed to at least be somewhat in the middle. Yes, sometimes they were a little more to the left, but they still had tendencies to be close to the right or vice versa. But in the last 10 years, that hasn't happened. During the George Bush presidency, that moved. That continued to move. They want continued to be more far right. And then during Obama, he started doing more far left. And now DJT has completely avoided and ignored the fact that it was usually they had to have uh, some left, you know, wing 
uh, ideologies, and now he's really throwing people in the Supreme Court that are completely far right. Not that we're surprised, because he's done things that have completely changed the way that the right wing looks like. He's changed that dial of what the right wing used to be to a complete new dial. Where Now, where does it become dangerous? It becomes dangerous because our founders, our founding fathers, if we go back to the founding of the United States, built the system around the fear of disunity. They were afraid. They didn't want political parties because they felt like that would pull the states apart. Again, disunity. That's what they were afraid of. But we've landed in a place where we have the... We have been divided between blue states and red states. For so long, we worried about small states and large states. But literally now, we worry about, have we turned that state blue? Have we turned that state red? And literally, we have turned into a country of two parties. Recent, What's the reason behind this disunity, though? The Democratic... the. Yeah, the Democrats concentrate in big cities and Republicans live in rural areas. So the number of representatives hasn't changed, but the number of populations has. The average state is six times more Republican than Democrat, which gives the party an advantage in the Senate. So that goes for all states, even the most left-wing, most liberal states, they're still six points more Republican than they are Democrat. In the House, for example, Democrats have to win by a landslide. Republicans only have to win by one or two percent to be able to take over the House. But for Democrats, they have to at least win seven or eight percent so they're not in the minority. And this is, again, due to gerrymandering and, geom- and geography. So what have Republicans done? What do Republicans continue to do? They're using these advantages in elections. And when they have been in the majority, they've rewritten laws and passed laws to continue to give themselves more advantages in future elections. They've used it to win Supreme Court the Supreme Court and to continue to appoint Supreme Court justices, they will help them. And how how are they being helped by the Supreme Court? They're being helped because now the Supreme Court has done rulings on gerrymandering and the amount of money that elections can be used or how much money um, billionaires can contribute to elections. They've done rulings on unions, on voter rights, which in terms helped these Republicans. So I, I know what you're thinking. Fuck the Republicans. Like, fuck democracy. Our country is fucked. But not really. There's a lot of things that Democrats can do. Some simple things that might not seem simple to some people and impossible to others. Something like giving statehood to the D.C. or Puerto Rico. What does that do, you say? If we give statehood to D.C. and Puerto Rico, which are in turn more leaning to the Democratic side than they are to the Republican side, that gives us more representatives in the House of Representatives and more senators, at least 12 or more senators. We can increase the number of justices in the Supreme Court from 9 to 11. Yes, that sounds crazy, but it's definitely something that we can do with the... I mean, not that we can do, that the Democrats can do because they are in the majority right now. They could praise winner-take-all elections with ranked-choice elections. And then we can do something as crazy as increasing the number of representatives from 435 to 870 to reflect the populations in these states. But we need more than power grabs because it is what it is. If we do that now and we have and the Democrats have the power, then if the Republicans take over and then they're in the majority, they're going to continue to pass laws to grab power back. We need actual principles to build a system that works for all of us, not just the rich, not just the Republicans, not just some, but all of us. We need to think about new amendments. We need to think about re-amending things that aren't working anymore. But we don't do that. We don't do that as a country. For example, the last amendment added to the Constitution was in 1992. Before 1992, it was in the 70s. 
And as the as we get farther and farther from our founding date, from the country founding date, we feel more and more afraid to make changes, to add more amendments. And it's not like an amendment is in the horizon. Um, changing the amendments, re-amending amendments, or adding new amendments is not even in conversation. So why are we afraid to change at a federal level? Because at a state level, we are constantly changing and re-amending amendments and constitutions. At times, even changing whole constitution. On average, on a state level, we change constitutions four times. And for states for, like Louisiana, Louisiana has changed their constitution 11 times. Why did they do that? Because they wanted it to reflect the people. They wanted it to reflect the population. They wanted it to be more fair and more democratic. We need to change the system, not just be able to do power graphs. There's great political scientists that have given us great things that we can do. For example, Robert Dahl, who's one of the most respected political scientists of the 20th century, believed that in order for us to have a fair constitution or the ideal constitution, we needed five simple things. We needed a constitution that would maintain democracy, a constitution that would protect everybody's rights. We need a constitution that would ensure fairness, they would encourage a consensus and a constitution that would provide a government effective at solving problems. We've realized that we can't stay still. In the last election, more than 11 million people did not go out and vote. And that's not because they don't want to vote. It's because they're losing faith in, the, in, our, in our democratic system. We need to be able to change our democratic system to re birth the legitimacy of the system. In the coming years, people are going to believe in the system less and less, and those who have the power are going to continue to change it. So no, our democracy is not dead, but it's definitely headed that way if we don't change it. All right, all right, all right, all right. Welcome back to the next segment of our podcast. That was Panini by Little Nas X. So congrats to Little Nas X. He became, he broke Mariah Carey's like, I think it was like a 15-year record or something like that. The Lambs are going to come for me for not knowing those facts. But congrats to him. He officially becomes the longest-running number one on Billboard's 100. Um, and just letting you know, uh, a gay black man just broke that record. Thank you very much. Uh, so that's his new song. We're going to move on to our next segment, which is our POC or Queer Excellence of the Week, where we talk about someone who's POC or queer and just did something amazing the last since the last episode and just want to shout them out. Our first person is Valentina Sampaio, who is a Brazilian model who has just been signed to Victoria's Secret, making her the very first transgender model to be to, who's going to be on the Victoria's Secret runways. Uh, this comes about a year from the whole controversy when Victoria's Secret says that they would never have a transgender model after Carmen Carrera, uh, who's a model and a trans activist, has had said that she wanted to be part of Victoria's Secret and they basically said, no, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have a transgender model. But a year later, Valentina Sampaio, congrats, girl. Uh, also, congrats to Guillermo del Toro, who got his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, making him uh, the first Mexican and first immigrant, I believe. I want to say first, but I'm pretty sure that there's probably somebody else. But in the time that we're at right now, it, be, it was a big deal 
that he got his star and he actually mentioned that he is an immigrant that he is from mexico and now he has a star on the walk of fame in hollywood california uh so congrats Guillermo Toro. also congrats to robin teed quinta and Issa ray who uh came out with a brand new show on HBO called The Black Lady Sketch Show. If you haven't seen it, I saw the first episode. They had like Amara Negra on it. They had the queen, Angela Bassett on it. They had Laverne Cox. They had all these different amazing black women. It's hilarious. It's every Friday on HBO, HBO Now, HBO Go. Um, if I don't have a viewing party for it yet, though. But if you want to watch with me tomorrow, I will be watching it from home live. So come at me. Hit me up. And finally, I want to give a shout out to Mr. Joaquin Castro, who was shouted out last time. But, you know, him and Julian, they ain't slowing down. They bad bitches. Julian Castro released a list of San Antonio's top DJT donors. So that everybody in the country can know who in San Antonio be donating money to DJT's re-election campaign. People were not happy. But bitch, we playing fire with fire. We're like fucking, what's her name? Um, gonna play with fire. I'm gonna play it right now as I transition to my next segment of the podcast. I'll see you there. Dun, dun, dun. Play with fire. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to the next segment of the podcast. Today in the country. In the country, I mean the United States. I feel like I am only going to give you, like, negative news. So, that you've probably already heard of. But if you haven't, you're probably living under a rock. So, most recently, uh, some tragedies occurred across the country in three different places across the country. So, there was a a mass shooting in Gilroy, California, during the Gilroy, um, the festival, I forget. The Gilroy is known for the cloves, you know, you put garlic, the garlic festival. And there was three dead, multiple injured. Then a week later, there was a shooting at a Walmart in El Paso, Texas, where 22 were dead and multiple injured. Hours after that happened, there was another shooting in Dayton, Ohio, where there was nine dead, multiple injured. A couple days after that, there was another mass shooting in Chicago. There was a couple more dead, more injured. Why am I telling you this? Telling you this because we have a gun problem. Like it's it's not it's not a secret that we have a fucking gun problem. We just do. Like this is not happening in any other fucking country across the world. Like I think the next country after us has had like three or four mass shootings since the beginning of the year, but we've had almost 260 shootings since the beginning of the year. Mind you, there has not even been that many days in the, like, in the year for us to be able to say that it's okay for, like, or that we're, like, somewhere, like, I don't even know what would justify that we're, close to the dates of the year like I just don't know what would it be I just know that there's a fucking issue in this country when it comes to guns when it comes to how easy it is to get guns when it you can get a gun easier than an 18 year old can get a drink 
Let's put it that way. And this starts with the NRA. If we think about it, the reason why none of these politicians are doing anything about it and are blaming it on things like mental health and video games, which FYI, there's video games all over the fucking world. Like, this is not just exclusive to the United States, where only the United States has video games or mental health issues. I've played video games. I have mental health issues. We all do. But you don't see me going to fucking buy a gun and fucking shooting people up. You just don't. And if you look at how much the NRA spends a year, the NRA... In lobbying, just in 2017, they spent $5.1 million in lobbying. During the 2016 election, they spent $25 million. Yes, $25 million backing candidates. Candidates who won't change gun laws because the NRA is literally funding their campaigns. And that is the biggest problem, the biggest issue. I can have a whole conversation about this, but I feel like this is more of a question of a week and less of a today in the country. So while all of this was happening, all of this mass shootings were happening, DJT went to uh, El Paso to see uh, the, some of the victims in the hospital, which, by the way, the five victims that were left in the hospital all refused to see him. Just putting that out there. So he victims had to return. Victims that were already, like, let go, had some of them had, had to return and pretend like they were still in bed arrest to take pictures for DJT. How amazing is that? And during that time, he's still allowed to continue this ICE operation. Yesterday, the biggest ICE raid in modern history happened. A total of 700 people were deported. 700 people in Mississippi who all were working in food processing uh, factories. You have to think that this is going to affect the economy in some shape or way or form. And then all these fucking anti-immigrant people are going to be bitching about how prices have gone up in groceries, how there's less food in the shelves, because these motherfuckers just deported 700 fucking workers. And you can't fucking tell me that these are jobs that you would have, that that they're stealing jobs from people. Porque huevones, like, the privilege is uncanny. I have literally heard people say, I'm not going to do those jobs. I was born here. Or, oh, that's below me. And so immigrants don't give a fuck about what, quote unquote, it's below you. They're going to do the job because they want to survive. They want to give their families a better life. And now you just broke up all these families. There's this video of this little girl going around. I kid you not, I could not watch the whole video because... I was broken. This is a fucking issue. And I feel like we're not doing enough. I feel like I'm not doing enough. I feel like I have to do more. Like, we have to do more to be able to to combat this. I just don't know where to start. I don't know. I'll see you in the next segment. All right, that is Loco Contigo by DJ Snake, J Valvin, and Tiga. I mean, Tiga. I know it's Tiga. I just like to call him Tiga. All right, welcome back to the next segment of our podcast, our Hoy en el Mundo. Today, we travel all the way to Hong Kong. 
Yes, I said Hong Kong. I don't know why I said it that way, but I said it that way. So honk, the Hong Kong protests continue as demonstrators gather at airports all over Hong Kong. They are going to demonstrate for at least three days. So demonstrators have gathered at the airport marking the start of a three day of unauthorized rallies in the Chinese territory. So activists dressed in black have sat at arrival halls waving banners and to raise awareness among international visitors. Protests have gripped Hong Kong for weeks, beginning with anger at an extradition bill and morphing into demands for greater freedoms. The former British colony is part of China but enjoys more autonomy because when British the, when Great Britain let go of Hong Kong as a colony, they made a deal with China that at a certain point, uh, Hong Kong needed to have its own autonomy, have its own freedoms, its own rights, aside from those at China. And I think it's like 2020 something when in this contract that Great Britain made with China, China would bring Hong Kong back into its country. It's still part of China, but it's its own. It's interesting. It, right now, uh, Hong Kong has free press, judicial independence under the one country, two systems approach. Freedoms activists fear are being increasingly eroded. They have called for an independent inquiry into alleged police brutality during the protests. The complete withdrawal of controversial of the controversial extradition bill and the resignation of Hong Kong's leader, Kari Lam, who has the leaders have now been coming in and they've been more pro-China and pro-rejoining China because they're being backed by Chinese. Uh, Beijing has warned demonstrators not to play with fire or to or not to underestimate the firm resolve of the central government. So what's going to happen at the airport? Demonstrators plan to stay at the airport throughout the weekend, and they're waving batters, reading in different languages, denouncing Carrie Lam and the police, and handing out um, pamphlets with artwork explaining their recent protests. Authorities are so far tolerating the peaceful rally, which have not overly distracted passengers. There are as yet no police at the scene. Uh, but fake boarding passes saying HQ to Freedom appeared on social media to promote the va the rally. Uh, a demonstration at the airport on the 26th of July uh, with thousands of Hong Kongers, including the flight staff, took place without violence. And so they're expected that this will happen again. On Thursday, the U.S. became the latest country to issue a travel warning to the territory, which is ironic because people have been doing that to us. Um, it came at the same day a State Department spokeswoman denounced China as a thuggish regime after a state newspaper published the name and photo of U.S. diplomat allegedly ta talking to activists. So how is the Chinese government reacting to this? On Friday, authorities confirmed that former Deputy Police Commissioner Alan Lau has had has been brought out of retirement to help handle protests in the territory. The commander previously oversaw Hong Kong's pro-democracy rallies in 2014, and now he's going to overlook this. Beijing has issued increasingly stern warnings about the continuing demonstrations, and military recently released a video showing them conducting anti-riot drills. But that's not slowing the protests. So why are the protests still going on? Demonstrators began in opposition against a, a proposed extradition bill, like I said, which would have allowed suspected criminals to be sent to the mainland China for trial. Critics said it would undermine Hong Kong's legal freedoms and could be used to silence critics. Police were then accused of using excessive force against protesters, even though Hong Kong authorities agreed to suspend the bill. Demonstrators continued with calls for it to fully would be withdrawn and for an independent investigation into police actions. Protests have become increasingly confrontational, and on this past Monday, Ms. Lam gave her first media address in two weeks, warning that Hong Kong was on the verge of a very dangerous situation. She also accused activists of using the extradition bill as a cover for their real goal, which was to destroy Hong Kong. In reality, they just want to keep these freedoms.
Uh, now we go from Hong Kong all the way to the Netherlands, which a heat wave has caused nearly 400 more deaths. So almost 400 people more have died in the Netherlands, which is Europe's recent record-breaking heat wave than in a regular summer week. Dutch national statistics agencies said on Friday in total 2,964 people died in the Netherlands during the week that started on July 22nd, which was around 15% more than during the average week in summertime. Temperature records tumbled across Europe during the late July's heat wave and for the first time since records began topped 40 degrees Celsius or 104 Fahrenheit for us in the Netherlands on just July 25th. The death toll in the Netherlands during that week has was comparable to the rate during the two heat waves in 2006, which were um, among the longest ever in the country. About 300 of the additional fatalities were among people aged 80 years or older. Most of the deaths occurred in the east of the Netherlands, where temperatures were higher and the heat wave lasted longer than in other parts of the country. The Netherlands has a total population of around 17 million, so the heat wave was the second to hit Europe in a month. The climate specialists warn such bursts of heat may become more common as the planet warms up due to, you guessed it, global warming. All right, with that, we're going to move on to our next segment of the podcast. So I am happy to announce that I told you some tea. I told you some truth. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the time has come for me to talk some shit. So how about we get this podcast going and we get this shit talking going as well? Let's do it. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to my favorite segment of the podcast where we get to talk some shit. So on this segment of the podcast, I just like to throw the most shade and tell the most tea and just talk that shit. Talk that shit for me. All right, the first person we're going to talk shit about is Mr. Mario Lopez. Who knew that my middle school crush would become the target of my talking shit. So on the most recent podcast interview that he did, he said that it is that he believes it's dangerous to allow children to dictate if they're transgender or not because it is dangerous to allow young children to be sexual that early in their age. They don't know what sex is. Um, you're right. You're correct, Mr. Mario Lopez. Children that that young don't know what sex is uh, or uh, sexuality. I I will probably agree with you. the The, the issue with this is that uh, sexuality, uh, sexual um, and sexual identity are different than uh, just identity in general and being transgender it's an identity thing it has nothing to do with sex so uh fuck you mr mario lopez for uh continuing this stupid rhetoric of people that don't know and don't fucking educate themselves between the difference between sex sexual attraction sexual identity and identity in general so, gracias, Mr. Amaya Lopez, for just making me delete all those ACs later pictures that I had, um, you know, saved in my mind for future reference. Fuck you. Uh, I'm going to move on to uh, fuck Texas and ICE. Like, for reals, fuck ICE. Uh, 
Texas and ICE, they detained an 18-year-old Francisco Orwen Galicia for 23 days at an ICE facility near, um, I think it was El Paso, Texas, which ironically, El Paso, um, and fucking Francisco Orwen Galicia is a fucking U.S. citizen. Like, he was born here, and he continuously told officers that they had the wrong person. Hey, I'm born here, homegirl. Hey, I'm born here. And they refused to believe that he was born there. And so they still, uh, they, they kept him for 23 fucking days. Bitch, 23 fucking days? That's ridiculous. So fuck you. Continuously fucks to ICE. Another person I want to say fuck you to is um, State Representatives of Ohio, Miss Candace Keller, who, after the mass shootings in Dayton, Ohio, and El Paso, Texas, the Republican state lawmaker from Ohio blamed the violence on, end quote, homosexual marriage drag queen advocates. Yes, you're correct. She said that the real blame should be on the breakdown of the traditional American family and the acceptance of recreational marijuana. Her whole statement reads, The breakdown of traditional American family. Thank you, transgender, homosexual marriage, and drag queen advocates. Fatherlessness and a subject no one discusses or believes is relevant. The ignoring of violent video games. The relaxing of laws against criminals. Open borders. The acceptance of recreational marijuana. Failed school policies. Policies. Hello, parents who defend misbehaving students. Disrespect of law enforcement. Thank you, Obama. Hatred of our veterans. Thank you, professional athletes who hate our flag and national anthem. The Democratic Congress. Many members whom are open anti-Semitic. The culture, which totally ignores the importance of God in the church until they elect a president. State office holders who have no interest whatsoever in learning about the Constitution and the Second Amendment, and snowflakes who can't accept a duly elective president are to blame. Are you fucking kidding me? Fuck you, Miss Candace Keller. Good for nothing, bitch. Just just go. Even her own Republicans were calling, were asking her to resign. She said she's not going to resign. But you have to wonder what kind of people fucking voted this person, voted this person in. She's the representative of Middletown in Butler County, a small city thirty miles south of Dayton, Ohio. And finally, fuck you, Stephen Ross, the billionaire who has money all over the place, but mainly an Equinox and SoulCycle. Most recently, it was put out that he was going to be hosting a fundraiser for DJT. Not just a fundraiser, a millionaire fundraiser, where an entrance ticket goes for $100,000 to get in. A picture with DJT goes for... $50,000. So if you want a picture and you want to get in, you pay 150000 Not to mention that they're going to be making silent auctions and raising money for his re-election campaign. I mean, I'm not surprised that a white fucking man wants a white fucking man to win. Like, I'm like not at all surprised that like rich white men want fucking DJT to stay in office because obviously he's giving them tax cuts. He's allowing them not to continue to make money off of the poor. So like, why would I be surprised that he's doing this? Other uh, companies that are supporting DJT's reelection are the Bang Juice that y'all love to drink before your workouts. This hurts me, but In and Out, 
Chick-fil-A, Taco Bell, McDonald's, Wendy's, KFC, Pizza Hut, Olive Garden, Waffle House, IHOP, Cars Jr., just to name a few. Equinots, fucking Soul Cycle. They released a fucking um a statement saying that he was a silent donor. Silent donor, my ass. A, a an investor. I mean, a silent investor. An investor is still an investor, and you're still making money out of them, and they're still making money out of you. So fuck you to all these fucking companies, especially this motherfucker, Mister Stephen Ross. We're going to move on to my final boneless wings. Unlike final nuggets, final boneless wings, they're a little saucier. So I want to give a shout out to Tinder, who has just developed a new way to warn LGBT people when they are in your state or countries they have they are anti-LGBT. A little warning comes up telling them that they just have entered a country that is anti-LGBT and to be careful. If you're in Oakland, I want to give a shout out to Chingones. Chingones has the one of the best fried chicken and waffles during First Fridays. And they finally opened a restaurant in Oakland. So if you ever come to Oakland, I need to take you to Chingones. Another shout out to Nancy Pelosi, who visited Ghana with Ilham Omar. And she literally took the go back to your country quote from DJT and said, I, Ilham Omar was like, I took her back to my country, but I brought my majority leader with me. I brought the speaker with me. Uh, if you did not know, Tuan Fu is now on Netflix. If you don't know who Tuan Fu is, please watch it and then thank me later. And finally, coming to a stadium near you in 2020, uh, sources have released that... Uh, Destiny's Child is to reunite uh, in 2020 for a reunion tour. Bitch, that is all I fucking needed in my fucking life. I'm not even kidding. Like, a fucking reunion? Not just even a reunion? A fucking Destiny's Child reunion? Bitch. I'm down. Who's coming? Let's go. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and end this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you. Please give it five stars on whatever platform you listen. If you make, if you do a comment, that will let other people know about this crazy thing that I call a podcast. It's about to be a year since I've been doing this podcast. Um, my goal is to be by episode 25 for my one year uh, I will be having a guest next time, but remember to follow me on my social medias at It's Just a Talk, at It's Just a Talk on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, everything else. And if you want to send me a email with a question, uh, I really want to do the opinion. I have not done it in the past couple episodes, and it kills me. But episodes have been long. A lot of shit has been happening. Go ahead and send me an email at podcast.itsjustatalk at gmail.com. That's podcast.itsjustatalk at gmail.com. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and leave you with the anthem of the end of summer. Have a good day, y'all. Love you.